Mr. Wright, so what we're doing, we've turned to the, to the page in, in our booklet that says 1 Corinthians 13 for Sunday school teachers at the top. And we're doing the quiz that's on the, sec on the bottom half of that page. enjoy telling a story no really raise your hand real high keep it high how many really enjoy telling a story some people just don't enjoy it you know um, there's a structure to getting ready to tell a story is this too loud can you turn it down a little bit it's too loud for me and I'm kind of in back of it it's not that large of a group is that better good helps my ears too it was kind of bouncing um, the main purpose for a story, going back to what we went over last night to a certain degree, is to help to help get across the lesson aim for that day. This thing is blocking Sister Beth's eyes here. <laughs> I like to look people in the eye. <laughs> um, you are getting across a thought. Um, to your students through the story. The story will arouse the emotions of the students. The story should come alive to the students. Um, they should really be so enthralled, like Brother Strout was talking about last night. He had the kids right there, and you know when you have the kids right there, you know. Uh, when you get their undivided attention and they're sitting on the edge of the seat, and if somebody barely said boo behind them they jump out of their skin you know and that's the way every story time should be there shouldn't you should have them their attention so much that they're they don't even know anything else is around okay now every Sunday's not going to be like that but that is the aim and the goal for you as a, as a storyteller and a teacher um, it should come alive it should direct the child's will the thought that is in the story itself should come across so strongly they don't have to dig through all the stuff that you've just told them to wonder and figure out what what the whole gist of it is all about the whole idea should come across so strongly and hit them right in the face so to speak they can't miss what you're trying to tell them and that will help create a new attitude or new behaviors within their own life because they're going to see, you'll be able to see the, the Word of God in action in their life if you can really make the story come alive and be directed so that it really gets across a point. It's not beating around the bush, not just telling a story, but getting across the point, accomplishing the aim of your lesson. In story time, in storytelling preparation, the first thing, as in everything, needs to be prayer. Because if you've really sought the Lord, then as you go about preparing the story, you're going to feel the unction of the Holy Ghost, and it won't just be a story. Um, and then, 
I really got this out of sequence, I think, in the notes. Because you should use your Bible first to study the story and any other books, Bible story books or whatever, to study the story itself and get it right down pat so that you can actually tell it no matter how basic it might need to be um, or how how varied or dramatic it might need to be depending on your age level. You need to know the story. If it was a just say the Good Samaritan, if it was a priest that came in first, then don't bring the Levite in first. You know, really stick to the biblical sequence of events as much as possible. And like in the story of the Good Samaritan, the priest walks, he stops, but he walks on by. And rather hurriedly, because in his mind, he is afraid that the same men that did this to this guy are still around, lingering. He has no idea how long ago it was. Okay, it looks like a very fresh thing. And so he's hurrying on by to get out of the situation. Um, you, all of these sorts of things are very important to get across to the students. And also, it's an added, it's an added opportunity for drama. Because in acting it out or telling it, it gives you details to dramatize. And it gives you something to work with except just basic facts and figures. So take advantage of all these little extras um, to use as visuals in whatever sense you might use them as visuals. And like the Levite, he comes across the road and stops and looks. But Levites are not to touch, once they've touched a dead body, they weren't able to go into the temple and do the work of the Lord in the temple. That was the reason why he didn't touch the man and even find out if he was alive. He was afraid to even kick him with his foot to turn him over or anything, you know. So you need to have a basic knowledge of this sort of thing when you tell the story or you're not going to, you're going to leave out a lot of important data that these children need and that you can build a point out of. So be sure that you really take as many sources as possible that are biblical and study the story itself so that you really know in depth every detail and then it'll be easy for you to within your imagination gather the stuff you're going to need to um, put it across then comes the gathering of the information and materials you'll need to help in the teaching of the story and there's so many different ways to teach a story I was going to have the Good Samaritan story dramatized tonight for you but the guys didn't show up <laughs> so it was mostly my fault all of it's my fault actually if I had a made a few phone calls it would have worked out better but it was just a last minute idea to um, to show you what team teaching can be like because now in the story of the Good Samaritan you need five people okay no none of you guys have five teachers within your classroom but you have five and more if you need them available um, out of the adult class um, probably if Sister Leslie knew it ahead of time and it could be worked in. One of the teenagers might can even be able to help you. I don't know. Or another teacher from another class might would be able to help you. Or Brother Leroy, or Brother Jimmy Holmes, or brother or Sister Tammy Crossman, um, myself. And there's a lot of people that you can draw from if you needed more than just your your 
staff in your own classroom to help tell a story. So don't feel like that you're really, really boxed in. It wouldn't need to be a, a thing of every single week. You need five or six people. But if once in a while a story came up and you really, really felt it strongly and you had a wonderful light bulb idea, you know, and you really, everything comes in, and you know what I mean, everything just kind of funnels in at the same time. It makes sense. It blends in your notes. You just feel really unctionized with it all. Then go for it. There's no reason why you should be limited just because you only have two or three teachers in your Sunday school class. And it'll make that week's story time even more special, I think, to the kids because um, it'll, it'll come alive a whole lot more and they'll see others in action. Also, another way is to use the kids themselves in the older classes. There's no reason under the sun you can't do that. They would love it and the other kids would too. So, it, you know, it makes it a lot of fun. Um, there's dramatizing it. You might, um, if you're good at drawing, draw a scene at a time on a chalkboard or on a sketch pad. Um, I do that with Shanna. Not that I'm any great drawer at all, stick people in the whole works. But sometimes if I'm telling her a story, we'll sit down and just draw and I'll end up, I'll tell her a story while we're drawing. And it gives me something to draw. You know, there's a purpose to the sitting down, being together, drawing sort of time. You're not just drawing little characters out of cartoon strips or whatever, you know. There's a purpose to the time together. And it's a teaching time at the same time. I have a, I have a sketch pad here that I brought just to show you what I use with her. It's two, $2.39 or something for 30 sheets um, large. You can even get it larger. Um, it's also good to use that sort of thing even with an, an older class because anything that they can see, and if you're doing it at the same time, it's going to keep their attention because they don't know what's next. You've got them right there, you know. And then if you also use your voice and gestures to go along with it, facial expressions, um, it's really going to tie all together. I'd like to say another way that's good, I think, with any age group is using black, the black light and using fluorescent chalks. Um, especially, well, downstairs you can't really do that, though, can you? The elementary side. Not even with you guys this class because it's not dark enough. <laughs> yeah, so that wouldn't work. But that's a really effective thing. Maybe in the future it would be possible. Um, <coughs> we went over quite a few different ways. I think I'll leave the rest of them until the second session of this. But in gathering your information and your materials that you're going to need, be as creative as possible and be as varied as possible so that each week is something different. You should never have to go back to the same thing, the same method that you used last week, per se. Um, unless you're in a series, say you're doing flannelgraph and you're in a series, and in the teacher's packet they had a super flannelgraph thing for that whole, say, two or three or four weeks, whatever it might be, and you're in a series, go for it, you know. But everything else within the class for that day especially needs to be very much varied so that, so that you're not getting into a rut and the kids are knowing what to expect every week when they come in sort of thing. And as much as possible, um, stay away from just monotone teaching. Use your voice, use your gestures and stuff to really, really get into it, even if you're using flannel graph. You can still act out a lot of stuff. You know, you might have the scene there, but act out a certain person's verbalizing of whatever in the situation. You know, whether it's Pilot, you know, or, um, or Mary Magdalene when she goes to Jesus, 
you know, you might have it on, on the flannel graph or you might have a flash card or you might have whatever that is a still life picture or scene. But if you put action with it and become the main character, those children are going to be right here with you and it's really going to come alive. Um, puppets are also really good in this sort of thing if you have biblical sort of puppets that you can make them become so-and-so or so-and-so, you know. Um, I think a lot of our puppets downstairs are able to be used that in that way. Put a headdress on them, um, you know, whatever. Give them a prop if possible. They are so-and-so for the day, you know. So um, there's all kinds of things that you can use. Read the story from two or three other Bible story books. We went over that. Study the background and characters, customs, and geographical settings. Now, while we're here, what did I do with this? Here we go. I made a map to go along with the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, you guys cannot see this. You can look at it afterwards, and I'm not really a great artist, even though I copied it from a map in the back of my Bible. But if I was teaching the primary class and up, I would, and I was teaching the story of the Good Samaritan, I would want to have a Bible lands map, at least this basic, okay? To number one, let them see where you're talking about, where this actually happened, okay? That makes a lot more sense. They don't know whether it's in Africa or Australia, you know? And it's even better to have a more detailed map than this, actually. Maybe have a globe or a large world map on the wall and have a, a finer-tuned map like this besides so that you can actually show them where this has taken place. Now, in the story of the Good Samaritan, the particular road that you had to go from Jerusalem to Jericho was a very dangerous one. It went through two... Um, mountainous areas and it was a perfect place it was a well-known place for robbers to hang out they had every opportunity for caves and all this sort of thing there are many many roads back there as there is today but some of the roads were very 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 much dangerous they were well known for for the hijacking and stuff others they were so well traveled and so open or on straight stretches that there was no problem and there's usually a lot of people going in that direction. But this wasn't a very traveled road, and it was through mountainous territory. And explaining that to the students, letting them know that the two or three people that did pass them knew within their own mind that there, weren't, there wasn't a big chance that in the next three or four days, very many people, if any, were even going to pass that way. You know, and, and showing the callousness. You have to know some details to be able to understand the real problem with that story. You know, there was a callousness within their hearts, and I don't care, and I don't love my neighbor sort of thing. You know, so to really get across the, the thought, you have to know some facts. So that takes time and study to, for you to really be able to put across the story with the thought that the Word of God has in it. Write your own story. Once you've read it from two or three sources, biblical sources, and you've started to gather your material, it's very important to write your own story. Um, word for word, you won't read it off of there, and you won't memorize it, okay, word for, for, word for word, as if you were quoting it from a piece of paper. 
um, but you need to write it down so that it will be in your mind as if you were going to read it you know you need to know the sequence once you've written it down I don't know about you but if I'm studying for anything I write my notes usually as the Lord gives them to me on the run it might be at a stop sign it might be while I'm cooking supper it might be while I'm on the phone with somebody they say something and click so I write something down real quick so when I get off the phone I can remember to, to write more detailed um, it might be during the service <laughs> it could be anywhere um, for this particular thing I had a million different notes on all kinds of pieces of paper and one Tuesday a couple weeks ago I came here to the church early in the morning with all these pieces of paper <laughs> they didn't make a lick of sense and if anybody else had seen them they wouldn't have known whose they were because each one looked like a different writing style because one might have been with the left hand. I mean you know it was crazy um, but I came to the church that morning, asked the Lord to help me, and we pieced the pieces of the puzzle together, and it kind of makes a little bit of sense anyway, you know. But when the Lord's really in it, your notes make a lot of sense to you and the Lord. So make notes about different things to, that comes to your mind, ideas for your Sunday school class or the story or whatever it might be. And then in writing that, that's going to be one thing that you not only write, but you're seeing it as you're writing it. You have to think about it as you write it. Then as you organize your notes later on, that's going to be another writing period. And then in the study time, you're going to go over what you've written twice, and you'll be surprised what kind of a difference that makes. Really writing it out is, makes a lot of difference um, because you'll be able to remember it a whole lot better. You'll be able to remember the fine details a whole lot easier than if you didn't write it out at all. Keep the story short. No matter how, um, no matter what age level you're really working with, you need to keep it fairly short. Um, the nursery class needs to be anywhere from three to five minutes for a story, maybe six minutes. And after that, you're going to lose them. <laughs> the kindergarten class, you might can add another couple minutes to that. Um, and the same on up. You know, even with a primary class, you won't want over... 15 minutes definitely and that would be a dramatic story very dramatic I would say you would want it more like 10 to 12 minutes even for the primary class um, and they're not going to remember something that that is just told to them or talked to them they're going to have to see it and hear it to be able to really understand it and then if they can see it in action it's going to bring it even more clear to them and then after the story time and the lesson preparation, if they themselves get to be involved in some way of reenacting the story within the classroom structure, they're learning through that too. This little thing right here, I've gotten so many comments from it since I put it up. <laughs> this right here, I did not put a heading and that's what threw everybody for a loop. Um, this little book right here is real good. I didn't even, I didn't even get this book until after the, after I put all my notes together. And then I got it and I thought, wow, I could have just opened the pages of this book and taught from here. It was just so neat. But there's a lot of little tidbits here that that I didn't have in my notes, so I'm, I'm using them tonight, some of them. This little chart is referring to pupils' ability to retain information, okay? Pupils of any age, really, they're dealing with right here. 
up to 10% of what they hear. They'll only retain up to about 10% of what they hear. They'll retain up to about 30% of what they see. Okay, no hearing involved at all, just what they see. They'll retain that. They'll retain up to 50% of what they see and hear. Okay, that'd be a flannel graph story. Okay? Or any sort of dramatized. Up to 70% of what they see, hear, and say. The say in here, the way to get that across in your teaching would be to to propose questions, to throw out questions to them as a group, and maybe not to anybody in particular because that kind of puts them on the spot. If they're not right there with you, that really puts them on the spot, unless you're having a discipline problem, and then that's a real good idea. But if you're, if you're really wanting a, a true thought, thought out answer, um, it's better to just kind of throw a question out, have questions prepared ahead of time if possible that go along with the story. So that while you're, you're showing them the story and you're telling them the story, you can ask them a question, maybe not exactly about the story itself, but about the subject. Why do you think the Levite did what he did? You know, or have you ever been placed in a position like that? Maybe, maybe a question that they wouldn't even want to answer. You wouldn't want to require an answer from a thought-provoking question. So they have to do some actual thinking about it themselves. Okay, up to ninety percent, they retain up to ninety percent of what they see, hear, say, and do. And the do would be included in something that they actually did. If it was to show love towards their neighbor, um, to give of themselves in some way, maybe there could be an assignment or a class project that week to actually do that. Or maybe the project could be to write, um, to, to make up cards or, or whatever, in some way showing appreciation to a certain individual, whether it was somebody in their family or you go to a nursing home. Um, you know what I'm saying? Something that they have to take that knowledge that they've just received from that lesson and do it. And you're requiring it of them so they get, they get practice in doing that. The method of teaching, um, there's three different methods here. Well, actually two. But in telling the story, 70%, they say, was recalled three hours later. When, when the story was just told. Three hours later, 70% could be recalled. Three days later, only 10%. That was in telling the story, okay? That goes to show you that you need some help. Our voice alone doesn't do the trick. In showing alone, if you only had a visual aid or a billboard, three hours later, 72% of it would be recalled. Three days later, still only 20% would be recalled, and that's in showing. That's more than what what we retain in just hearing it. But in telling and showing, three hours later, 85% was retained and remembered. Three days later, 65%. And what a jump when, you, when they heard it and, and um, saw it at the same time. 65% was retained three days later. And I thought that was very interesting. It's just important for us to know where our students what the abilities and capabilities 
that they have of retaining so that we'll know how to how to go to it and really get the job done. Practice telling your story just as you have written it. Now, in this, what I would do if I were you... Now, once you get into it, you're not going to have to maybe be so detailed as this. And if you love telling a story and you're natural at it, great. <laughs> you know, um... But some people are not as a natural, and so with this structure, it's really going to be a big help. You'll get more practice makes perfect. And not only for that one Sunday, but as you go along um, with your teaching experience, every Sunday is going to be a little bit easier, and it's going to be a little more effortless, and it's not going to take as much of your time. Practice telling your story just as you've written it. In the mirror, in front of friends or your children at home, tell it to somebody get a good audience um, the mirror is the best place for a lot of people because you don't feel so inhibited um, you can be as silly as you want nobody's going to criticize you <laughs> yeah but the first time it might be easiest or just the four walls of your bedroom or whatever you know telling it you might have to almost read it two, two or three times through you know first and then practice telling it without the notes a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> you should have brought your eggs. Uh, so much for my ideas, right? Study your story every day until you know it without the notes. Now, we're not talking about writing and getting all this stuff down on Friday or Saturday afternoon or evening, okay? This needs to be prepared Monday or Tuesday, so that you have all week to think about it and pray about it and gather all your information together. If you wait to Friday or Saturday, probably the libraries will be closed in case you need a certain resource book or the stores will be closed or you won't have enough time because something else is already planned for that evening and the next day. Don't wait until even the middle of the week. By the time you walk in Wednesday night, you should have everything pretty much together for the next Sunday morning. your other teachers have gotten together for your quarterly Sunday school teachers meeting and you're all organized and everybody knows what the job is ahead of time you shouldn't even wait till that week to really start getting it together because you should know ahead of time enough that you've got a checklist on your refrigerator of I'm going to need this this month and I'm going to need this this month and I'm going to need this this month 
and at the beginning of the quarter, you can start checking off, well, I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and you know where you're going, and you know what you have. So when you get to that week, you've already got most everything you need, and you don't have to do all your work in that one week. That way, if you need to order something ahead of time or make something up ahead of time, you have the time to do it, and you're not running on a shoestring. There's nothing worse than wishing that you had something that you didn't have and you step into the classroom and usually it's something that if you did have it it would make it go but you don't have it so you feel blah you're disappointed in yourself because you forgot or you weren't prepared enough and so that makes you feel blah and the whole the whole lesson can be blah because of it if we're not real careful so take time Study your story every day until you know it without the notes because you'll need to be able to look the students in the eye as you tell it. You can communicate concern, interest, attention, acceptance, and even affection through your eyes. Really, to honest to goodness truth, we all know that. So we need to realize it and pay close attention to our study habits and the way we express ourselves. Place your story in your Bible just in case you stumble or forget so you're not completely nervous. Because some, some of us, if we have notes handy, it relieves the nerves, and so we can manage. We may, I might not even have to look at them. I do that with songs when I sing. If I don't have the song in front of me, I don't even, I forget it. <laughs> it's crazy. But I can have the sheet music there, and I'm going to look at it. So that, for a lot of us, that's the way it'll work. Don't hold your notes while you tell the story. If you need to look at your notes, the way you should do it is open your Bible to where your notes are, look at it, shut your Bible, and go on. Okay? You don't need to bring out your notes and because it won't be a lecture sort of thing like this is tonight, not with children. Adults can handle it, but children can't. And it makes children very intimidated when you hold a piece of paper and read a story even part of it, they're wondering what else is on the piece of paper. They're looking at the paper instead of you. So don't let that happen. And if you're using a visual aid, this just came to mind, if you're using a visual aid, say a flashcard or something, be very, very careful to hold it out like this rather than, rather than like this. Like this or like this. Either way would be, would be fine. But make sure that it doesn't hide your face because I've seen some teachers doing it. I, th I don't know if you just do it and don't think about it, um, do it out of nervousness or whatever the reason might be. That would probably be a big reason right there. But be careful. Okay, let's go to the part of telling this story itself. You should be excited and enthusiastic. Disinterest and lack of excitement are, are more contagious than the flu. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> I can, any of us can walk into a room and if there's excitement and jo jovialness, um, we instantly catch it. You do, even if you've had a bad day, like tonight. You guys are crazy. <laughs> I'm surprised you're still not at it, actually. <laughs> Bouncing off the walls, Sister Jerry came in, and I'm telling you, <laughs> the whole place is a zoo. She is excited. <laughs> and everybody else kind of caught it, I think. I don't know, because usually on a rainy day, everybody's just kind of petering around and not feeling real good and kind of dopey. 
But it makes a big difference. Even one person can make a big difference in the whole classroom atmosphere. So if Sister So-and-so has had a bad day and you know it, try real hard to outnumber her frowns with your smiles, okay? <laughs> because you do have that much going for you. You are in a team teaching situation so that if sister so-and-so is going through a rough time or brother so-and-so is going through a rough time, you've got one or two other people there that hopefully aren't going through such a rough time that the Holy Ghost hasn't taken over that situation for them. And so you can still have an awful lot of smiles and jovialness within your classroom because the teachers are rotten attitude teachers that morning. The kids, are, they're going to feel it. Attitudes and feelings are so contagious. So be careful. Realize it. Tell the story, don't read it. We've made that point already. Make your story introduction. Make sure your story introduction gets their attention. This is very important. Instead of just um, our story today, you know, or um, um, what else? The story we're going to tell today, or the story we're going to see today. Or something like that. <clears throat> it's it's real good if you can get away from a, a real humdrum opening and get into an opening of asking a question about a about the subject of the so of the story. Um, you might open it up with, "Did anybody do a good deed this week?" You know. Um, and if they did, man, that's great. They're going to feel great. They're going to feel really good about being able to share it, and it's going to make them next week do three or four good deeds, you know, because you never know. The teacher might ask the same question next week, and everybody else that didn't do a good deed is going to think, yeah, man, why didn't I? <laughs> They're going to think back over their week and, and try and remember a, an opportunity that they had that they passed up. Or, or another one could be, did anybody get to tell somebody about Jesus this week? You know, or, um, I mean, it's endless 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 has anybody ever thought about what it would be like to be crucified or if it's like with peter being crucified upside down or to get your head cut, cut off or or you know especially the primary and junior age is going to love it you know yeah man <laughs> they're going to really like it <laughs> you will have their undivided attention and their you'll have their interaction and that's what you're wanting but start off the story time with something like that. So you are instantly, you're instantly getting their attention. Can I have your attention? <laughs> I ask for it. I know. <laughs> you want a demonstration. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Make the story come alive. They were real people in real towns, in real situations, with real problems and real burdens, with real families and family struggles. And those kids went to school and had struggles in their school, and they had attitude problems, and they had behavior problems, and they had all kinds of problems. They had financial problems. They had sickness in their home and in their family. They had death that came and visited their homes. They had the same kind of things happened to them as we have happened to us it was just in, a, in another era so our job is to relate life as it was and as it is 
letting them know that God never changes and a lot of other things never change either and our need for God never changes either and that needs to be made known to them. Make it come to life. Use voice inflection. Don't be monotone. If the story is exciting, then tell it exciting. If it's the robbers coming around the bend, then man, get with it. If when he's when he's laying there dying and moaning, moan, you know? If when when the priest starts coming around the corner, you might want to calm your voice down a little bit. You know, here comes the priest. I wonder what he's gonna do, you know. And and with your ups and your downs and your in-betweens of your voice, with voice alone, you're gonna be able to, to do an awful dramatic story just with your voice alone. Okay? <laughs> um Try it. Try it at home first. If you never tried it, try it at home first. <laughs> Just so you'll feel more comfortable with it. Um, <laughs> it'd be horrible to be excited about the guy dying, so you do need to be careful. <laughs> Who had their hands raised? Super. That's a good idea. That's an excellent idea. Yeah, tape yourself and play it back. Nobody else has to hear it but you, right? <laughs> that is a very good idea, even for telling the story, the whole story. Do that. That sounds good. I like that, Sister Tammy. Use gestures and facial expressions. If they're sad, if they're dejected, if they're in pain, all these feelings that these characters in the Bible are going to have, as you tell the story, you need to show them as much as possible. Become that main character at that point. <laughs> Oh, Lord, I'll go home. <laughs> she just yawned. I'm in trouble already. <laughs> yeah, coffee. Whew. Goodness. Make the story as true to life as possible. Look far off down the road if it's the prodigal son coming home. You know, you can look into the next classroom. You can. The, the teachers won't throw any eggs or anything like that. Just look... Far off down the road, you know. <laughs> or the main thing is to become the characters that you're portraying. Wash your hands with Pilate. Show the grief that he felt, the guilt that he felt. Um, in your actions, in your voice, be Peter. Feel Peter when he denied the Lord and he heard that cock crow. Be that. Be Moses when he comes down out of the mountain and he sees the children of Israel in such idolatry. Feel the anger. Feel the, the absolute anger. Smash those Ten Commandments. You know, the kids are going to love it. <laughs> they will absolutely love it. Have the kids marching around the walls of Jericho. Maybe be, bring in a big box and have it fixed up like a city sort of thing with the turrets and the guard and, the, you know, the whole deal. Just a box, you know, maybe like like this sort of square, like your castle box. That, not that tall, though, so the kids can see over it. Well, they wouldn't have to see over it, would they, if there's walls of Jericho? But anyway, have them, have them in the story. Maybe have that at one end of the room. Have them marching around it, you know. Um, there's, so many, there's so many ways that you can bring a story to life. You just have to take the time to really think about it and pray about it. And ask the Lord for his help if you're you've come to your wits end and ask the other teachers that's another good thing about having other teachers to work with you're you're not an island by yourself within your class you do have your other teachers give them a phone call say hey sister so-and-so 
this is what I'm trying to do, and this is my thoughts, and this is where I'm going, but I've come to a wall right here. I need you to help me pray and think about it and call me back in a little while see what we can come up with, you know. And it's good. It's support. It's going to make that other teacher feel very important and needed and useful, and it'll unify you as, as teachers working together. There's, it shows a purpose to team teaching, and it'll really help your, um, your story, too. Where are we? Keep the lesson aimed clearly in the mind of your students from the beginning till the end. Now, we're talking about the story here. We went over the lesson itself last night. It's very important that throughout the whole class, from the beginning to the end, that the students know what the whole subject for that day and the thought for that day is and everything that's taught. And in the story, it's the same way. They need to know what the story is about. What, are the, what is that teacher trying to get across to me today? Keep your students involved. We already went over asking questions periodically. You might want to stop at a certain place if it's convenient and sing a song that goes with it. Um, the kids can help with the visuals. The kids can help with the drama. Um, if you have flashcards or you're, part of it's going to be a game or you're going to interrupt part of it for a scripture search or whatever you might be doing, involve the kids within the story time as much as possible. Let, let them act it out too. Act out part or all of the story. Use your imagination. Use, use first person storytelling. You are the person going through it. How did Peter feel? Well, I'm Peter today. How did Nicodemus feel? Well, I'm Nicodemus today. How did Naaman feel going down that muddy river Jordan? Well, you're Naaman today. You know, be that character with those feelings. And with those feelings, you can verbalize to those kids how Naaman really felt and dramatize it and get the point across because that's an easy way of getting the point across and dramatizing this first person storytelling. Use the other teachers and do it together in skit form. Um, Never should the classroom be left empty with only the children in it while the teachers are preparing for story time. Um, that is that is another real good reason for having a classroom schedule and um, structure for each Sunday that each one of the teachers knows what's going to happen and when. And there will be some variations because you might not, memory verse might last longer than five minutes. It might take six, you know. <laughs> Or it might only take four. So there's going to be variations, but the variations shouldn't be real large unless it would be in a consecration time, a dedication time for the Lord. Then you can stay down there as long as you want. But as far as your actual schedule and structure for your class, you as teachers, two or three or whatever the number down there are working together, you all three or all two should know what the schedule is for that particular week so that when it is about time for the story time and the other two teachers are going to be involved with you in teaching the story, if they need costumes or props, they already have them down there, okay? They're, they're either on top of the coat rack or in the Sunday school office, someplace very, very handy, but preferably outside of the classroom itself, okay? They can quietly go and slip out. You need to keep it in mind, Sunday school teachers, as you prepare your lesson and as you place different ones in charge of stuff you need to keep in mind of who's going to be available to do what when so that if you're if you're going to be telling the story a certain week you don't need to have to do 
to do the project right before the story time so that you can get your props and all of that quietly at the very end of the, of the projects that they're doing right then, and whether it's memory verse or a craft project or, or a review from last week, whatever it might be, snack time, um, so that you as a storytelling teacher can have about two minutes or whatever you're going to need. shouldn't be very long, just enough to grab your visuals and your material that you need, grab it and bring it into the classroom or get it set up or whatever for the for the kids. Now I say this, it is very important not to get it set up very much in advance because the kids will have an opportunity to be inquisitive enough as they normally and naturally will be. That will take their attention away from what the other teacher is trying to do with them. Okay, um, If it's set up too much, they will have already seen it and it won't mean anything and it will not get their attention. Okay, So you do need to be very careful in pre-setting everything up. Something should be new in that classroom every week. And the easiest way to do that is story time. Uh, what I like to do is keep one whole wall blank and use it for a setting um, for the story itself. Then if I wanted to bring in the easel or a chalkboard or a sandbox or, uh, I mean, whatever, you know, it's endless. But that is the backdrop for the story. The kids would kind of face in that direction and you've got that. There's nothing else on the wall behind that to distract them. That is the time for story. If you have visual aids you want to pin up or um, a flannel graph that you want to use, it's right there. There's nothing else to distract. It looks real nice and neat and organized. And it's also one wall that you don't have to worry about putting something on every quarter because you don't have enough time to work with all of that and do the preparation in the other areas that you need to do too. So just kind of keep that in mind, um, using the other teachers and making sure that you've got everything together. It's a lot of work, a whole lot of work, but that's what it's all about. But I think as we reprioritize um, ourselves, um, getting everything in order, figuring out what is most important within the classroom to work with, um, we will be putting our efforts and our prayer and our minds towards the things that really, really matter. And the other things will be included where they need to be included, but we won't make that a major project for the day. And the whole idea and lesson of the lesson will get across. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. It's Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. I don't know if anybody has their Bible here. Does anybody have a Bible here? Sister Beth, why don't you look at Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Somebody else want to read some for me? Sister Jeannie, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through Colossians 3, 23 and 24. We're going to receive our inheritance in heaven. You may go week after week after week downstairs or in your Sunday school class, wherever it may be, and feel like you're beating your head against the wall and you really wonder sometimes, a lot of times, if they're retaining anything that you're showing them and telling them and having them do and say and all the other things. Um, but they really are. They really are. 
kids are going to go through their struggles. They're going to go through the times when they're very attentive, and they're going to go through the times when they're very rebellious or inattentive. Um, we don't have windows, but they'll find them. <laughs> you know, they will. Kids are just kids. Sometimes they're very spacey. They're they're very imaginative. Whether if they're young, they're they're on the go and their imagination's working. If they're older, a lot of times they're dwelling on situations and problems and trying to figure them out as you're teaching. Um, they may look spacey, but they may have just been trying to digest something that you just told them from the Word of God, trying to apply it in their life and figure out, well, what should I do in this situation? So don't take all their spacey looks as a negative reaction and take it personal. Realize that the Word of God does not come back void and that the Lord is doing things in their lives that you can't see and, and you can't see their heart, but God can. And if we could see their heart as God can, we'd be very encouraged as teachers because we would see the future as we as only God can and um, we wouldn't cry as many tears of remorse for their souls because we would, we would still pray for them but it would be with an uplifting sort of prayer thank the Lord for salvation instead of feeling like they're never going to make it okay Sister Jeannie Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 through 9 so don't faint <laughs> we have the promises of the word of God to stand on don't faint God is there I read Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6 in closing. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, he that goeth forth and weepeth, there's no prayer and tears and burden. You're not going to reap anything. So just don't even plan on it. Don't even bother sowing the seed, okay? If there's not going to be any rain, don't sow the seed because it won't even germinate, Okay? Bearing precious seed, precious seed, the Word of God is precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Now that leaves no doubt, doubtless, okay? Bringing his sheaves with him. And I'm so glad we do have the Word of God and the promises of the Lord behind us. Or sometimes we would faint because we do get weary. We're human. And we don't, we don't have the mind of God as far as his, his foreknowledge to know what's going on inside those little minds that we're talking to and, and teaching. But God does. So don't faint. Don't be weary in well-doing. Allow the seed to be sown. Water it with the tears of earnest prayer and let the Lord do the work. It may be 10 or 20 years down the road. Only God knows. But some of those souls are going to be productive. And that's what's so exciting. Brother Leroy. Okay, in just a moment, we're going to go downstairs for our break. She finished right on time. <laughs> Praise God. Um, as no doubt most of you probably have realized, we have been taping these seminars, okay? And I've talked to the pastor, and it's going to be five tapes, I believe, total. Brother Rennie has given me that's going to be a total, and he's willing to let them go for a dollar each. Okay, um, if you missed a session or two, they might, you know, do you some good. Um, as this graph shows here, you only, re, you know, you can only comprehend 10% or remember 10%, you know, what you hear. So maybe on, uh, if you have problems with uh, preparing your lesson or something, um, you know, get the set of tapes and listen to it again, okay? When you can really focus in on the one point that maybe you're having a problem with. Now, I, I feel $5 is still kind of high, so 
uh, any that aren't able to pay five dollars, if you can come up with three of it, Brother Leroy will put the other two in, okay, for the set. Because I would like to see as many that would, you know, get the set and utilize it, play it over and over and over. And one other thing that I wanted to bring to your attention, uh, this is something that Sister Strout has mentioned, so I assume she's going to be willing, but once a quarter, uh, when we'll schedule a teacher's meeting, and at that teacher's meeting, there'll be a mini seminar type question answer deal. Um, she might have a small uh, thought that she may want to bring to you. How many would be interested in that? 